We're for Sydney and New South Wales. These are today's headlines from the Daily Telegraph. High-profile independents trumpeting transparency have arrogantly refused to properly detail where they stand on China's advance in the Pacific, changes to income tax, defence spending and transgender athletes. While Climate 200-backed Silver Spoon candidates who could hold the balance of power won't come clean, one incumbent, also financed by Simon Holmes Accord's Green Movement, has shown its hand in a startling insight in the political reality of minority government, which bookies now rate a $2.35 chance. Though Andrew Wilkie's demands, including a 75% cut to emissions by 2030, will alarm many voters, the Hobart MP has at least levelled with voters prior to the election, which is more than can be said for so-called teal independents on the verge of claiming government-held seats and becoming kingmakers in a hung parliament. In an attempt to get the views of current and potential crossbenchers, News Corp sent a series of questions to candidates. Despite repeated attempts over several days, no teal independent was prepared to provide proper answers. Leaving electors in the dark about where they stand on issues from income tax levels and national debt to asylum seekers and even when Australia Day should be celebrated. And if you'd like to read more on that story today, you can take out a subscription at dailytelegraph.com.au or download the app at the App Store. Union bosses are demanding transport for New South Wales rip out a billion dollars worth of safety equipment and build compartments for old-style guards in a move which could spark more industrial action and chaos on the city's rail network. Six weeks of negotiations between the New South Wales government and the Rail Tram Bus Union blew up on the final day yesterday over the union's refusal to operate the $2.88 billion new intercity fleet unless the changes are made. The Daily Telegraph can reveal the cause of the blow-up is the union's demand that security cameras designed for passenger and staff safety be ripped out and safety mechanisms on doors disabled so train guards can lean out the door. The cost to the remedial work on the fleet, which has been standing idle since October 2021, is estimated at a billion dollars. And we'll be back after this. News doesn't have to be boring. The Brits have given Prince Harry a new nickname after yet another tell-all interview. Oh, God, is it the ginger winder? <laughs> <laughs> Let the team at news.com.au get you up to speed each day with their podcast from the newsroom. A couple were busted joining the Mile High Club. Well, I guess they can't fly virgin anymore. <laughs> Politics, sport, red carpets, royals. Get all the goss in just a few minutes. Follow from the newsroom wherever you get your podcast from. A Sydney council which voted to rename a street which is home to the Russian consulate to Ukraine Street has been lashed by locals for the empty First World gesture. Wallara councillors agreed to change the name of Fullerton Street in support of Ukraine by following Russia's invasion in February, but locals have questioned the practicalities of the symbolic gesture. Michael Booth, 66, has lived in Fullerton Street for 34 years and said the council was cheeky as he hadn't heard any news about the proposed change. I'm well aware about how passionate people are, but I don't think it'll convince Putin to recall his tanks, Mr Booth said. It's an empty first world gesture and it'll be better if we were to do something useful, like sending money to Ukraine. Just thinking about it now, I need to change everything. Driver's licence, the tax office, the lawyers, Medicare, he said. There absolutely needs to be more consultation with residents on this. Another resident, David Newstadt, 84, ardently agreed with Mr Booth's sentiments. 
I sympathise with the cause and can understand why they think it should be done, but for tenants who live on the street, there are many of us, it would be too costly to change and it's a huge amount of work. And rugby is back after almost a quarter of a century. The Rugby World Cup is returning to Australia in 2027, then again in 2029. Previously held in Australia in 1987 and 2003, the Men's World Cup will take place in 2027, bigger than ever before, then followed two years later by the Women's Tournament. Both events were confirmed on Thursday night at a meeting of the sports world governing body in Ireland, where the US was awarded the 2031 and 2033 double. Wallabies haven't won the Webb Ellis Cup since 1999, but for the team's long-suffering fans, the return of the world's third biggest sporting event to Australian shores is cause enough to crack open the champagne. There's no disputing that rugby in Australia has fallen on hard times in the past two decades through poor management and disappointing on-field results. But if anything can return the game to its past glories, it's the return of the game's showcase event. And that's the latest headlines from the Daily Telegraph. For updates and breaking news throughout the day, take out a subscription at dailytelegraph.com.au. We'll have another update for you tomorrow. Australian history is full of colourful but forgotten characters, from alleyway gangsters to Cold War spies and eccentric entrepreneurs. There are hundreds of incredible stories of adventurous Aussies that never make it into our history books. Each week I talk to some of the country's greatest history authors, sleuths and yarn spinners to uncover the untold stories of some of our most interesting and offbeat ancestors. The show in black and white can be found wherever you get your podcasts.